Greetings, Amiga apps, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I, of course, am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today, bopping his head, sitting in a room with lots of books and a ceiling fan, is your favorite co-host, Michael, and a small, what appears to be dinosaur, paper mache dinosaur. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> as soon as Mike is done playing with that, we are going to be putting together a Top 10 list for you it is finally time for the 2022 or i guess 2023 topskers with a twist and as soon as i introduce michael we will discuss the new format for our topskers list are you ready michael yes kyle let's talk about that uh i have got a cat in my lap the dinosaur you referenced was a birthday present from beloved nephew pierce uh, who refers to himself these days as Piercy, which I find quite is he charming. trying to give himself a nickname? He is trying to make Fetch happen big time. <laughs> and I know I've told you this, and I know this will mean nothing in, a, in an auditory medium, but my favorite thing he does is when he tells you something or asks you something, he nods as he's saying, goes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, like, he'll say, uh, Piercy have yogurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really something. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about stuff. I'm excited. So if you remember, dear listener, in the past, yeah. for like four or five times, we've done this one a lot. Yeah. Normally, Many I'll times. put together a list of the best movies from the previous year that were nominated for no Oscars. Yeah. What usually happened, though, is that like I picked at least half of the movies you hadn't seen, and so you had nothing to say about them. And yeah. so we're going to do a draft this year and alternate. I'm very excited about this, and I do think the lack of movie pass and the lack of Jameson slash Alex slash, you know, kind of others will democratize this somewhat already. Definitely. We were already exiting the territory where, sadly, I say this with great sadness because this was a very happy time in your life. Yes. When you were seeing every movie? Yes. So I do think this was going to help a touch anyway. Yeah, we were already heading back to the mean. There was some regression yeah. due, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen... My mu- my movie viewing this year was far lower than my 2018-2019 yeah. heyday. Yeah, which is okay, I think. Yeah, it's good. So do you want me to draft first? I think you should. So basically, we're going to draft, and the the award and the film comes off the board. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Is that right? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. Well, I'm ready, baby. I mean, I think, I, I'm just looking at the list. I think you and I probably both know what the holy grail is here. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I think we do. I certainly know what my holy grail is. I know what... Like, one of my favorite movies of the past many years was, and it was tragically, criminally yeah, I, nominated okay. for no Oscars. We're thinking of the same movie, which means you really yeah. only get four picks because your first yeah. pick is predetermined. Yeah. But you get the you get the honor of getting to pick it. So Oh, that's true, because I'm the odds. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent point. Well, I am quite excited to draft Lyle Lyle Crocodile, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right remember the only rule is that the movie can't have been nominated for any oscars not even one yeah and there were a lot of movies this year that were nominated for only one that would have been really good on this list that, that we'll is what i'm about. kind of catching from this 
I, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at this and it's as every year I'm being reminded of a couple of films I didn't see that I'm very sad I didn't see. And this one I'm comfortable mentioning because there's no way it's going to get an award. But like Dog, I really wanted to see the movie Dog and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Did you see that one? No, I missed that one. Yeah, the, like the that's Channing one Tatum that one. Yeah, I got really excited about because the reviews were so good and it just looked like such a straightforward 90s style film yeah. that I just, I miss. Um, so I was kind of hoping to be able to see that. Alas, I did not. All right, I'll do number 10. How's that? Let's do it. I'm going to do a Homer pick here, if that's all right, with my number 10 pick. Please, please. With the number 10 pick in the 2023 Topsters draft, Kyle selects <laughs> a little film... <laughs> called studio 666 do you remember this uh, one is this at all related to that turkey movie that xander described to us no this is not related at least as far as oh, I know. taylor hawkins and dave grohl are in this film so this is a foo fighters movie it's a whole it's a horror <laughs> film starring you're a pro- you're a film producer now yeah this uh, this is a horror movie starring the Foo Fighters. The premise of the movie is that they need to find a place to record their new album and they can't use their regular studio for some reason or they want a new sound and they get this really great deal on this mansion because a bunch of people got killed in it. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> so they move in with all their stuff and they start recording this album and then like goofy and weird stuff starts to happen. It's actually a pretty good horror movie. And it's also a pretty good comedy. It's not particularly funnily written, but Dave is hilarious. Like Dave is really funny and he sells it. Taylor is good. This is incredible. And they're playing themselves. Is that right? Yeah, they are the Foo Fighters. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) Jeff Garland is their agent. He's the one that like gets them the house. (laughs) amazing he's a terrific agent on curb your enthusiasm he, plays, he, he just ba- plays that character amazing whose name is jeff green anyway like they're, yeah. they're not taking a ton of leaps yeah right but yeah it's a good it's actually it's a very good horror movie like the effects are great it's it's like shockingly graphic there's a horrible there's horrible ways that people get killed and very funny i saw this one with my friend gina who you know who is also yes. a very big Foo Fighters fan, and we had a really fun time seeing it. And there's also some really good original music, like some good metal music that they recorded for the album, and so I'm going to give this one Best Original Song. Wow, how delightful. Yeah. Huge fan. All right, so, you know, I'm looking at the list here, and I think I gotta go... I gotta decide what award specifically to give this one. Give me one second. Just I gotta vamp a little bit here because I gotta decide which award. Because there were a couple good performances in the film Death on the Nile. Mm. I think I'm going away from performances, and I think I'm gonna give this one best adapted screenplay. Ooh. Did you see Death on the Nile? Sure did. We just and I saw it. So Death on the Nile is probably my somewhere in like the third to fifth range of favorite Poirot novels. And you can't probably tell from there, but that is the series of which I have the most books. I probably have 25 Poirot novels. The thing is, they really vary on 
I'd say three axes. There's the interest of the crime itself. Like some of the crimes are more or less interesting. There is the cast of characters. That's probably the most important thing. And then the third would be the setting. So depending on how we dial each of those things up or down, we can end with a, a higher or lower quality story, which really, there's nothing else. Those are the things. The <laughs> right. writing is always the same. The tone is always the same. Like there's no, whoa, that was a dark one. Or, oh my goodness, she wrote very differently there. Death on the Nile was probably my favorite setting. That's the one that had the most interest from a setting perspective because it's got the very, uh, we are in transit, a la Murder on the Orient Express. It has that charm. But then it has several well-staged set pieces yes. on different locations. And the film exactly. captured that extremely well. That's the difference between this and Orient Express is that like yeah. the conveyance of the Nile is a better yes. setting than the mountains like that they're training through because they don't get to interact with that at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it, they do the same. They did the same thing that was kind of curious and annoying, which was way too much CGI. And the moments that they stepped out of that means of conveyance before they then entered what was clearly an actual location were really jarringly poorly rendered. Yes. So like what you're describing in the mountains in murder on the Orient express, when you saw the characters step outside the train to shovel the snow up off the tracks, it was almost hideously unbelievable. But then once they were, you know, yeah. in the snow, it's like, Oh, okay. They're shooting a close shot yeah. of real snow and a death in the Nile was the same way. But overall, I thought the film was excellent. I thought that some of the background on Poirot was a weird is a very weird decision, like a very unusual decision and tonally kind of, I wouldn't say inconsistent with the film, but very, uh, it was a big departure, but in a way that actually worked for me, I don't know that we need the, the Christopher Nolanized version of Hercule Poirot, but a little bit of this and a little bit of that I think actually works. And, and I do, I do wonder whether the casual Poirot, viewer is aware that a big part of his story is that he is a belgian refugee in the book so like the, the refugee piece of his story is actually something that does come up from time to time the military service and his kind of terrible experiences in the military and the scars hiding behind the mustache are i believe new they're at least new in my recollection but i do like the idea of deepening his character a bit because he does in the books have more depth than just being the little onion shaped man who's always you know right about everything yeah and there's none of that in orient yeah. express certainly not in the older films either yeah so thoroughly enjoyed it is interesting Com like comparing him to sherlock holmes where mm -hmm. that is kind of par for the course yeah. and expected and done mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways yeah hopefully we'll get more of that i think they've already greenlit a third a third one of these right yeah, and I, I think it's probably <laughs> it's going to start Jonathan Majors in a significant role that they then cut uh, out of the trailer, but very much leave in the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember how big Army Hammer was as part of the early marketing of this film and then how much he disappeared from the trailers? Yeah. And then how much he was in this movie? Like every scene? It was very weird. <laughs> remember when they 
totally read what movie was that where they just got rid of Kevin Spacey and redid it with Christopher Plummer? That was the uh, Getty family film, right? Yeah. The kidnapping, the kid, the kid. It's the is it the Getty family, right? It was some prominent yeah. American family had a had their child kidnapped, and yep. it was that. Right. Yeah. You don't see that too often. No, no, but you did see it with Jeremy Renner's arms in tag. <laughs> right. That's your new favorite thing. Yeah, that's a. It's my old favorite thing, yeah. but weirdly, it's found purchase again. Yeah, so I'm all back. in on this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked Death on the Nile. We we liked that, and like it was fun that we knew. It's fun to know what you're going to get and just go and look forward to it and enjoy it. 100%. All right, number eight then. Let's do this thing. This, these drafts are always tricky because I don't want to miss out on some good yeah. movies, but I don't want to pick them too early either. I'm going to go with... This is kind of a weird one. I'm going to pick... Uh, Doctor Strange. I like that. What what award are you going with? It's a good question. But I love the pick. That was... I think this was... I mean, this is no hot take. This was a really, really rough Marvel year. Yes. Um, But that one was out... There were two excellent ones. I'm going to give this one best visual effects because that goes yeah. along with one of my favorite parts of this movie. So I, I, it's in a vacuum. I would not say that this is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Yeah. But in the context of this year and how weak some of the movies were for like yeah. we had, this was the Thor four this year, which I hated, not hated. I just didn't like it very much. I was very disappointed. Ant-Man was, you know, Ant-Man. And yeah. also, it was just a tough TV. Like, the last couple of years have been tough for Marvel on the TV yeah. front. And so, just to have something like Doctor Strange that was very, very director-driven and very... It, exactly. And very genre-focused. And it just felt like something that was very unique in a cinematic universe that has become kind of rote. And so I, I think this movie took a lot of criticism for being really in your face and yep. like an Evil Dead movie. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I love so much about it. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of that sequence where they completely subvert all of your expectations and Wanda in horrifying fashion murders in sequence Professor X and then Mr. Fantastic and then Thunderbolt in <laughs> increasingly <laughs> gruesome ways. That I think yep. if I was a kid, man, that would have really fucked me up. And these movies are for kids, so there is that. But me as an adult who had become kind of accustomed to sleepwalking through these movies, I remember in the theater having a very strong reaction to it and being genuinely scared of it. Which, what was the last time you felt genuinely scared or like really all that like up about a Marvel movie? And so I love that. I don't love that movie, but I loved that component of that movie. And I think it is worth honoring on this amateur podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, I totally agree. I think the cool thing about this was it was an imperfect reminder of what happens when Marvel films have ambition. I think that I still don't agree with or understand the Wanda storyline. Right. I don't, I don't <laughs> get it. And I also think 
it's a weird decision to do such an obvious angry bitter woman decides to murder people especially in the aftermath of people's reactions to the daenerys storyline on game of thrones bingo so i didn't get that at all i thought that was an incredibly strange decision strange decision <laughs> but uh i thought that the film was very exhilarating and to your point visually so distinctive i think it's also a good reminder that marvel films don't have to look like complete ass because I, this is like one thing that i've read some articles of trying to explain this to me but i'm still not totally grasping why films look so much worse today than they did 15 years ago it's kind of a puzzling phenomenon to me but this was a good reminder that if you go for a different aesthetic entirely you can achieve a much higher quality of visual effects it just requires you to try to do something different yeah i think i think so i the you're right like the distinct the distinctness of the look was part of what set it apart i'm just, i always think of that scene or it's like in the first third of the movie or maybe the middle act where she's attacking Kamartaj, wherever their their sorcerer base is and she's doing that really scary shit where she's climbing out of mirrors her reflection is like climbing out of mirrors and they try oh to my they God, try to like yeah. darken the mirror with their magic and she kind of like busts through and is crawling through and like very like grudge kind of visual style it's just very unique for a marvel movie i loved it um, i completely agree that that sequence in particular yeah really cool so i don't know how often i'm gonna rewatch this movie but I, I had a really really good experience seeing it in theaters yeah i love that um all right so do we want to do not tops pick one pick one movie we'll each pick one and we'll do a not top two how's that all right and can we use them again <laughs> Because I've got a, I've got a not, I've got a, I've got a Razzie to give out for a film that I think also deserves. A oh yeah, Oscar yeah. yeah. This doesn't, right. this doesn't take away the awards. All right. Well, you know, I'm ready for some stank, just like Stephen A. Smith's friend Pooley. <laughs> <laughs> that counts as a cue, it turns out. <laughs> Don't let the stank out. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Also, just to go back to, like, throwaway Family Guy references earlier, you and I both kept saying conveyance, and I was just thinking, but that that's my only means of conveyance. <laughs> um, all right, I would like to give a, a uh, to, uh, top Razzy to Prazzy, whatever we're calling them, um, to a truly awful performance from a truly awful performer who gets a lot of inexplicable love. I would like to give worst actor to Aaron Taylor Johnson for his work in Bullet Train. I find him to be an utterly unwatchable actor. <laughs> and I think I heard some whispers of him possibly being the new James Bond. Oh, no. I mean, I just think he is in the John David Washington school of I have no clue how to deliver a line any way with any charisma. Um, and he was awful. In a film that I otherwise rather enjoyed. Oh, my God. He can't be the next Bond. 
I think I heard that. I might be making that up, but I think I did hear that was at least, you know, something that was on the table. Well, I didn't see Bullet Train. I heard good things about it generally. Yeah. Very enjoyable. All right. I'm going to I'm I'm torn here between two pretty bad movies. I think <laughs> I'm going to go with Halloween Ends. I skipped the middle Halloween movie. The first one was really good. I think I put it on our top scores from 2018 or 19 or whenever one that came out. Wait, I'm sorry. There are three recent Halloween films with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible stuff. This one is not good. Like the first, Mm. the first one is great. Yeah. It makes sense. It's tight. It's scary. Jamie Lee Curtis really carries a lot of the weight there. This one makes no sense. It really is over the top. And I mean, can I guess the award? Sure. Worst supporting actress is to Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs for not showing up. (laughs) It is for Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. (laughs) Wait, are you serious? No, it's just for Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. That's too bad. She just for making no appearance at all. (laughs) She, um, it's not her fault. She didn't have a lot to do in this not a lot to work with, but man, it's it's tough. It's tough to watch. She does have. I think I told you about this. She has this. We they're playing on the expectation or like the fact that everyone that's watching this movie remembers seeing her boobs in the original Halloween and <laughs> knowing this, she has this crazy line where she goes, "You can't let grief get you down." just have to stand up and show your tits <laughs> everyone in the theater so by that i mean me and Allegis and ian and kyle from work we're all like what <laughs> incredible uh, a grizzly film and not a very yeah. good one so there you go lovely all right let's return to the list um so number seven i am making i think an extremely sentimental and probably foolish pick here but i'm doing it anyway Did you see the film Ticket to Paradise? No. So Ticket to Paradise was a true throwback romantic comedy starring George Clooney and uh, Julia Roberts. And their daughter was somebody famous who I'm forgetting. I'm also yawning, so I'm not just forgetting. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And like really thinking about it, I was forgetting and then going to yawn. And it sort of allowed for a natural pause like I was thinking. Sure. But, uh, no, this is a totally corny, stupid film, but it was pretty well done, very 90s, and the thing that it reminded me of most is how just ridiculously talented Julia Roberts is, because she is excellent in this movie. George Clooney, much as I love him, was really phoning this one in. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't even think he was able to sort of, like, get up for it for his old pal, Julie Roberts brought her A-game, and I would like to give her Best Actress uh, for this one. Wow. Because she um, she really is, like, one of the very few actors out there who can just be on screen and carry an entire film herself. It's very, like, Christian Baelish. She just doesn't anymore. I think she's just, you know, kind of got other stuff going on and has decided to prioritize her acting a bit less, which is good for her bad for us because she rules yeah this is one that i feel like it's the kind of movie that doesn't really fall into my lap too often we don't watch a lot of movies like this and it's a shame yeah breezy very breezy and entertaining watch it with uh so as you know my parents have been in new hampshire 
for a while now. And so for at least a little bit, they had just been coming down to one of um, my house or one of my sister's houses just for like a night here and there with they if they'd work stuff in, in Massachusetts. And so my mom slept over our house and my mom, Caroline and I watched this together on the couch. It was delightful. That's nice. It was really nice. So it's probably part of why I'm having such a sentimental reaction to this film. Well, as you know, who you watch a movie with and where you see it can have a big effect on how you process it. Damn right. Okay. Yeah. That one's definitely going to go on our list. Yeah. Number six, then? Number six. I'm going to pick a movie that was really, really close to being an eight and a half out of ten. Okay. And ultimately settled probably closer to the six range, but again was really quite close. The Watchmen came out in the year two thousand nine, yeah. so it's not eligible for this. <laughs> the film is called Three Thousand Years of Longing. It's a George Miller film, who you probably know best from Pig in the City, but also Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, more famous for Mad Max. A film I still don't. I was listening to a Ringer podcasting The Big Picture, and they were like, well, obviously the first pick from the year 2019 or whatever is uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I still don't get it. I liked the movie. It was good. Why can't it just be that? I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm missing this one. I don't get it. I, I have a problem. I love, love, love that movie, but I don't understand the critical acclaim and all the awards yeah. that it won. Very confusing to me. Must be a George Miller thing. Like everybody. Just, I guess. But then this, you would think. So this movie is Tilda Swinton opposite uh, Idris Elba. And the premise is that she's a oh. professor of mythology that is in Turkey for a conference or something. And she buys this tiny little jar. Turns out there's a genie, a gin inside. It's Idris Elba. And they just get to talking about what it's what it is to be a genie what it is to wish for things you know things like that like it's like kind of like it's really just like the two of them talking is like the whole movie except like half of the movie is that the other half of the movie is idris elba's character explaining how he came to be in this bottle and all the times that he's been imprisoned and all the different masters he's served and all the different ways Amazing. that he's tried to satisfy their wishes and ended up failing like it's so that trope of you can't like a, a gin will always try to to trick you or you think you want you know you want something and then it ends up backfiring on you and that is the case but not through any kind of mischievous or like bad intentions on his part it's just kind of the way that things go and so you would really 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 love this movie because like half of it is just it takes place in like turkey over like the course of like several thousand years and so much of the movie is set way in the past but in this kind of cool like it look it like looks kind of like a superhero movie there's lots of good like cool cgi that has to do with the the gin magic and all these different wars from back then that he's involved in and throne rooms and palaces and like it's just incredibly like amazing movie to to see and just take in the music is fantastic so i'm giving it best production design because the whole like ancient turkish kind of setting all the costumes and everything is probably the best part about it but the tilda swinton idris elba back and forth is really spectacular the only problem is that they just phoned it in for the last 20 minutes fights like was it fighting and no, stuff no no, no no it's nothing like that 
it's it just has such a lot of promise and they're like asking a lot of really big questions in the first two thirds of the movie and they don't necessarily kind of do it what I thought to be a satisfactory job kind of answering them. This is the Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, it's very Watchmen e in that sense. I, I this is an incredible sales job by you though. I'm I'm so pumped to watch you, this movie now, and I actually might watch this. I've got uh, Caroline's doing a wedding tomorrow. And I'm picturing myself with like a pizza resting on my chest, like as I watch something. I can't think of a person whose sensibilities yeah. are aligned better with this movie. You in particular, I think, will really love this. I think the general movie viewer will get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I really, I watched it on a plane coming back from oh movie weekend. Actually, I watched this on the way back from movie weekend, and Incredible. I'm really glad I did. It's nice and tight. It's like 90 minutes. I. It's the rare yeah, a cup of coffee and wanted to wash it down with another cup of coffee. Apparently, <laughs> it's the it's the rare movie where I wish it was a little bit longer. It could have used an extra mm. few minutes. I think that is rare and exciting. Kind of it's that's kind of a nice feeling. It was God, good. When was the last time you felt that leaving you wanting more? Like oh, that's it. Yeah. You know. So you, yeah. yeah, I would highly recommend this one. Wow, I love that. Um, that's interesting because I, I actually was thinking about giving that exact award to the next film here but i think i can make a good a good shift so uh for number five a film that i believe you saw i I think we just talked about it uh the northman i didn't see this but i wish i had so this year that's crazy i believe that was this year hold on quickly i think you're right just early yes the northman april 22nd of this year so i was thinking about production design for this film because it is a very it's a very bold and interesting visual palette but also uh costume also the the basic kind of vibes that the film is trying to convey to you because it's not i think production design is a more encompassing term than just it's a weird when it cuts across a lot of things it sort of implies costuming it implies visual effects it implies locations and this was very much a cool mishmash of those things um because it really is mostly set in a world of elevated reality but does at times really elevate that reality to Mm. kind of mythical proportions sometimes it's very gritty sometimes it's very stylized it's it's really interesting the way it does that but Mm. i think the award i'd like to give here is best supporting actress Mm. to anya taylor joy who, as you and I discussed, I think, over this weekend, is a performer who I think can be basically the worst person you can possibly see on screen or a total beacon of great performance. She's just a weirdly variable actress. But she was really outstanding in this film and is a big part of why it works because if you don't believe that her relationship with the Skarsgård character kind of works. The film isn't very interesting. Hmm. And I think there were some age challenges there because she's considerably younger than him. Um, But I also think that the film doesn't work without the mysticism and the femininity that she brings to the movie because otherwise, again, it's just like alexander skarsgård just bashing people and it's awesome it's cool to see but i just don't think it works as a movie without her and she was sublime i i don't know why i didn't end up seeing this one probably because i see most of my movies nowadays with legis and i don't think this is up her alley 
I feel very strongly that this is a film she would not enjoy. It's also not a great airplane movie, probably. <laughs> so it's, no. it's just like tough to find. <laughs> this is a, you have found yourself alone for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, so Andy Taylor-Joy, you were saying something as Caroline rudely interrupted us. Uh, just that I need to find the right time to yeah. to watch this movie, but I will be at some point for sure. Because you're not the first person to tell me that this is one to not miss. Yeah, the man um, eating his popcorn loudly and breathing heavily next to me in the theater really liked it too. Great. Happy for uh, him. Me too. <laughs> All right, number four. Number four. Okay, this is a selfish pick because I want... I'm just trying to get as many people to see this as as I can so that I can talk about the sequel to more people than just you. Mm. Number four is Uncharted, starring Tom Holland yeah. and Mark Wahlberg. So yep. we I think we've discussed this at length. The first half of this movie is probably a five to a six. And the second half is an eight or a nine. She's eight. A setup that is non-existent. That that what you described does not happen. Right, <laughs> right, never. It's usually the reverse, where yeah, the th- the last third of a movie is just trash. This was so fun. It was just a really yeah. fun movie, and the setup is not like it's not that hard of a sell. It's just Indiana Jones mixed with nothing else. It's just Indiana Jones. <laughs> Except it's Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Yep. And it's based off... The reason we were so excited to see it in the first place is it's based off of the Uncharted video game series, which Mike and I spent a lot of time bonding over in college. And um, and before that, me and my best friend in high school, Neil, spent a lot of time playing these games together. And so these games have... Really- As did me and my high school teacher, Mr. Pacini. Right. Who still has your copy of Among Thieves, I believe, right? He sure does. Bastard. At any Bastard. rate, even if you don't have like extremely strong childhood core <laughs> memories tied to this video game series, I really believe that there's a lot to get out of this movie because it's just thrilling and fun. The last, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but it, the last third of this movie involves flying pirate ships in a good way, which is hard to believe. And the most encouraging, it, it really, it struggles to kind of like, get its traction in the first half, but the second half goes a long way towards it. And then the post-credit scene was so tantalizing because it really, it pulled a scene directly out of the games that really captures kind of like the camaraderie between Tom Holland's and Mark Wahlberg's characters that was in, which is an important part of the the game. It's the entire game. And it was there in flashes in the movie. The problem with this movie is that they had to, they went, they had these two characters meeting for the first time where in the game you're meeting these characters after they lived have been friends for years and years and years so you lose some time there it's i like this movie but i'm just really really excited about where it's heading next and it's high ranking on this list is in part an incentive for other people to see it so that they can share in our joy and in part i think because i think there's a real template for success for endless numbers of these films 100 percent. there could be seven of these they, they, it's the same thing as poirot 
I'll yeah. just pick a different treasure for them to go find. Like yeah. there's going to be double crosses and there's going to be an action sequence and there's going to be a scene where you think that Sully double crossed Nate, but actually they were planning it all along. And like that like kind of heist style movie never gets old. No. No, this is one of the things I think I think we are rediscovering to a certain extent some of the things that made people enjoy film and television way back when. Like, I actually have not finished The Mandalorian yet this season, but the thing that The Mandalorian captured when it first got really good was the episode of the week, the adventure of the week. That was the thing it did so well. It got what Big Valley understood in the 60s, which is people like to watch an uncomplicated hero come in and save the day this week and then come back next week to do it again. And I think in a similar vein, a film like Uncharted is tapping into what worked about John Wayne in the movies. It was just, this is the formula. We are going to repeat it and we are going to repeat it and we're going to repeat it. But the important thing, the reason that I don't say that is true about something like the, the Marvel universe is it, it, that works while maintaining the core of what you enjoyed about it. And that's part of why Marvel was able to ascend to the heights it ascended to by being so diverse, by having so many different sorts of stories. But it's also what made it vulnerable to falling apart because it didn't stick to that formula. It has the formula that there are heroes and there's really long movies and stuff, you know, happening. But for every Love and Thunder or, or um, uh, whatever, uh, Ragnarok, like Ragnarok is a really, really weird film that is extremely different from Winter Soldier. They're both terrific and they do have some commonalities, but that really isn't a formulaic thing as in the way that Uncharted 1, 2, 3 through 8 could be. It'd be yeah, it would definitely be different. <laughs> but I think that the, the, the reason that that kind of thing can work, though, the reason that Mandalorian works is because there's a great relationship between Mando and Grogu. And what's promising about this movie is that it feels like hopefully they could attain that same level of relationship that you care about between Sully and Drake. Because if that relationship doesn't work, it's dead in the water. That's the formula. Exactly. That's, I think you're getting it. You're like boiling it down to its essential part. Right. And so it's just it's a lot of promise. And I think even if it doesn't deliver on that promise as a single movie, this one has a lot to enjoy if you're just yeah. a fan of action movies i'm interested to get someone's perspective on this movie that didn't have a prior relationship with it um but part i i just i i'm always gonna look back on this movie very fondly because neil and i made a weekend out of it and i went to his house yeah. and we played uncharted all night and then we went and saw this the next day it was like a really i love that it was really good so that's what award did we give this one? Oh fuck i had in my notes that I was going to give this best score, but I'm changing that. It was a good score. Ramin Jawadi did a good job with it, but I think I'm going to pivot, and I actually think I'm going to give Wahlberg best supporting. Oh, you fucked me. <laughs> I don't have to. I can just give it best no, score. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This is a draft, baby. I'm going to give Wahlberg best supporting because just for just for wearing the shit out of that mustache in the post credit yeah. sequence, he earned it. But I really believed him as a like piece of shit, but one that's really looking out for our guy, Nathan. And for that, I'm grateful. 
I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So I think we should skip the uh, honorables for now because we don't know right. what's going to get drafted. So I hosed myself and then you hosed me back because we have got three of the four acting categories off the board. Mm. And I took the two actress awards off the board. And now I'm I'm going with a film uh, that Caroline and I saw and we thought was outstanding called She Said, which was a film about the New York Times investigative reporters yes. who tracked down the Harvey Weinstein story. And uh, I think you know this, but I think Carrie Mulligan is just a dazzling actress. I think she's so excellent. I also think Zoe Kazan is excellent too. And there is a couple of promotional photos that I was very happy to share with my friends, Shelby and Megan, where it literally looks like the two of them standing next to each other, like in the early days of our time working together. Uh, for for whatever reason, just the two of them in this movie resemble my friends Shelby and Megan so much. Um, and both of them were terrific. So I could have easily given either of them an acting award, uh, and Carrie Mulligan in particular. Um, I then decided I was going to give Andre Brower the Best Supporting Actor Award because he... I love him. He does such a terrific job subverting the tropes of the supportive or the not so supportive editor in chief uh, in a investigative film. Because as you know, that's like a really important part of these movies. And it, it's pretty well worn how they typically act. They either totally support their staff and they go to bat for them or they're real hard asses, you know, who are, who are pimped out to the man. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do that. He has this really interesting, very quiet approach. He's a very veteran guy who clearly has walked the beat. Like you can tell he knows how to investigate something and is just being very supportive of his people. But in a, we got to get this right. We got to do this on a timeline and we have to do this in a way that is, you know, going to work for the parent company. Like he just does it so well, but I can't give him that. So I think I'm going to give this, um, the best director to Maria Schrader. I don't think I have seen any of her films. Because as I'm looking, it seems that she works mostly in German. Appears to be her kind of mostly she's doing films in German. So I've never heard of her before. I've never seen anything else she's done. What I know is she took a really challenging subject and found a way to make it watchable without trivializing the subject matter, without sensationalizing it. She just found this tone that I think really worked and was ultimately very affecting, but didn't bog you down in a story that could have just been really hard to enjoy or hard to watch. Mm-hmm. But she also didn't miss how important and challenging this was by making it like a fun little puzzle film. I just thought the tone was going to be really important, and she nailed That's it. That's a tough line to walk. <laughs> yeah. Excellent film. Highly recommend uh, to everybody. Really good. I'm just really interested to see Andre Brower in something... That's not nine nine. Yeah. Cause I suspect that he'll do a great job in anything he does, but you n- you never know. I just yeah. love him so much in nine nine. Yeah. He's outstanding in this. Yeah. And I don't have enough. I haven't seen enough Carrie Mulligan. What I have seen her in, it's always yeah. incredible. So yeah, Kagan is uh, kind of wonderful. Bur- 
hit or miss for me in my experience. Like she was so good in um with Camille. Big sick. Yeah. But she was actually, I don't know if it was her fault or just like a bad script. She was in this show called, I can't remember what it was called. It was like a murder mystery, like po- different point of view type show that was she was not great in. But at any rate, I will be watching this yeah. one. Very good stuff. Uh, Number two then to me. Number two. This is one we watched together and had a really fucking good time. <laughs> I think I know what this one's going to be. <laughs> Number two is the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> I'm so curious. I think I know what award it must be getting, but I'm excited to hear which one it is. I think I'm going to give it. I can't give it the big one, obviously. No. Although I may not even award the big one the big one, because I think I want to very specifically call out something that's not necessarily the big award. Interesting. I am tempted. I think the obvious thing to do here would be to give Cage best actor in a lead role. But I mm-hmm. think what I'm actually going to do is give it best original screenplay. That's the award. I was going that's the award I was thinking that I think that's the right it's one. It's so clever. So the premise yeah. is Nick Cage is playing a fictionalized version of Nick Cage. It's still Nick Cage, the actor. But it's a different version of Nick Cage. It's, his family is different. He's been in some different movies. Yeah. Notably, he's been in a lot of the movies that he actually has been in. For sure. <laughs> and then he, I can't remember why, he he somehow gets roped into this FBI thing where he's going to this island <laughs> pretending to be interested in writing a screenplay with this Pedro Pascal's character. But he's actually spying on him because of his ties to some drug ring or whatever. But <laughs> whatever, it kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't really like, matter. The point <laughs> is that it's just it's <laughs> like a good ninety minutes of Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal just being really funny and I, like not ripping off of each other. Like it's I don't like I don't know how much it was like improv, but just kind of like having fun, going like toe to toe, both being kind of loons because Pedro Pascal has kind of started to occupy this role that Nick Cage has had for a long time where he'll just go places that other people won't. A good example is weirdly actually is Wonder Woman two where, Oh my God. Yeah. He just goes off the rails <laughs> and it makes the movie. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, he's had a lot of more serious roles too, obviously, but it's just fun to see. Like you can tell that he has a lot of reverence for Nick Cage and you can kind of tell that Nick Cage has a lot of respect for him too. And so the whole movie just kind of becomes about the two of them. And it's great. They're both so funny. (laughs) Pedro Pascal specifically has a couple of moments that are really laugh out loud. Um, And then there's a really good, healthy dose of like meta humor about the whole Nick Cage thing that's appropriate and tasteful and also very funny. But the, the whole the way that they kind of wrap it all together in this weird package of it kind of being a spy thriller, but also a comedy I don't know. It's just it's a it's a clever job of writing to to wring the most out of two really good performances, if that makes sense. Completely. It makes complete sense. And I think this whoever the screenwriter was deserves this award solely for pitching this idea, like for actually walking into a meeting and saying, this is my idea. It's just bold because 
I think in less confident hands and in the hands of a less capable writer, this is a funny or die sketch. Right. This is like the the Nick Cage's agent, like, I'll do it, Gary. It, it's it's like a bunch of Nick Cage's Nick Cage jokes if you don't understand that there's some legitimate pathos here. And there's like a really funny story at the core of this that can really support a full 90 minute film. Um, so I think the writing is the thing here. Obviously the two performances, it just doesn't, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't work if you don't get in a cage to sign on. Um, but it also, don't forget that. Like think about how much work the script did True. in being impressive enough for him to read and say, I will do this. This respects me enough, but he's good enough for me to do. Right. But I just, I loved this movie. I thought it, it exceeded my expectations even after they had been asked, elevated a lot. Over the top. Because I was expecting it yeah. to be kind of campy and kind of dumb. Yeah. And kind of dumb. And it's actually not Yeah, it's dumb. not that dumb. No. <laughs> At all. Yeah, we lo- we loved it. It was, a, it was probably one of the highlights of movie weekend. Yeah. So. Amen. Um, all right. Well, number one is just no surprise. This was my favorite film well, not my favorite film of the year necessarily. I think it was in my top it was in my top three favorite films of the year. I'm gonna give this one this is such a cheat, but I'm giving this be, I, because I feel like cheating because and because I'm so mad at the Oscars for not nominating the lead actor for uh, lead acting award. yeah, but this also deserves best picture. So I am awarding nope the best picture Topsker. and I am awarding Daniel Kaluuya the best actor Topsker because it's warranted. Daniel Kaluuya was just freakishly, freakishly amazing in this movie. Nope is one of the most unique and thrilling and weird movies I've seen in a long time. And I've read all the articles about how it's about spectacle and movie making. But it's also about the way the film industry has treated black talent throughout the years. Yeah, It's about commercialism it's about the movies now it's about capitalism it's about performance it's also this crazy movie with a gigantic flying like manta ray that is preying on people and it's about uh chimps and this movie was just so everything it's also got an incredible like an incredible brother sister relationship it's like oh my god it's funny like the guy from geek squad or whatever he's really good it's yeah it's you could give give, you could have given this one it probably actually should have been nominated for best cinematography some of the shots in this movie are like stunningly gorgeous to look at i mean even from the trailer the one of the wacky waving inflatable arms to man like deflating is one of the coolest things i've seen in film ever i mean it's so cool and guess what it cost them yeah eight dollars nothing it was nothing that's what's so cool about jordan peele as a filmmaker i i yeah this is one of my favorite movie going experiences in a long time and because it was just so off the wall and but also so good at the same time right and not in a manipulative way or not in a cheap way it was off the walls in service of a story that was coherent very coherent actually it was just coherent enough like i I do think that there's some ambiguity in what you want to take out of it because there is so much going on but the good news is that you can take kind of whatever you want and even if you're not getting the full picture it's enough but it's just an 
it came together so wonderfully at the end. It's so well written. This is it probably should have gotten nominated for original screenplay. Like legitimately, there were five or six awards that this one could have and should have yeah. been nominated for. I don't actually understand what happened. I'm, I'm completely confused. I, and it, it also like when you say best original screenplay, it, it's like most original screenplay, right? <laughs> and it's funny because it's it's so weird. Because this was a terrible year for black uh, artists in the Oscars. It was a great year for black artists in the, in reality. Right. But in the world of the Oscars, it was terrible. And it's confusing because in the way that the Oscar establishment tends to find people that it, that it finds acceptable in like a genre. So Christopher Nolan, as an example, is, a, is an acceptable Oscars approved genre filmmaker he's allowed to be nominated for things because he has passed the secret oscar test it seemed like that was the case for jordan peele i would have thought he was on the list of this is a black filmmaker who we respect and who makes interesting genre films and we feel comfortable nominating him for stuff and if we're gonna have a year where like viola davis doesn't get nominated for the woman king i don't think she didn't right i don't think so yeah, like, how is this not a, a spot where they go, oh, God, this is getting a little light. This is getting a little white up in the Oscars. Why would you not, even if you didn't love the movie, nominate this? It's such low-hanging fruit. I, You know, yeah. it's like such easy points. I, you know what I mean? From a body of people who love taking easy points. Who need why- the points, who really yes. need them. Yes. It's, it's like... I, 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 I actually, I, there must be something that we don't know. There must be some kind of, maybe Jordan Peele, like, peed in someone's soup. Like, I don't, I don't know. How could you, like, it's so easy. And yeah. it's not, you know what I mean? And a hundred, I don't and get they, it. They it wouldn't, makes, they wouldn't no lose sense. points. It's not like if you nominate this movie for a bunch of Oscars, people are going to say, like, oh, well, he's just getting those because they, yes. Like, nobody it, would cry tokenism. Nobody. nobody. Because you couldn't, because it's such an original idea performed so beautifully and with such interesting visuals and it's also funny because like the the oscars are always so far up their own ass about movies that pay homage to filmmaking as a pursuit right like it's (laughs) like like put this next to argo and i am a huge ben affleck fan as a director i think he's a terrific director argo was good it was a good movie yeah that won the best picture oscar i think right it won best picture yeah I think because it was just about filmmaking and the power of film, how is this not at least that? There's like a 25 minute sequence where they're trying to capture this fucker on actual film. Like how uh, how yes. much like how much more do you want it to be? <laughs> I know, I know. With this like this stand in for all of the great European auteurs yeah, right. <laughs> who want to do anything to get the perfect shot. Like it, it's just I don't know. But to return to the kind of the central point here. At its core is a performance that is just so right. electric. And Daniel Kaluuya is, I, I just rewatched a film, Widows, that I know I was all about when I saw it. You saw Widows or you didn't? No, see I, I remember you talking about it. Yeah. I loved Widows. You got to watch it. I, I was listening to a, a big picture and they were just kind of talking about how they didn't understand why Widows didn't kind of pop the way it should have. And so I was like, I want to rewatch that one. I rewatched it. It was exactly as great as I remember. And Daniel Kaluuya gave such a mad, just an unbelievably evil, but convincing performance as the brother of an up and coming 
alder i think he's an alderman candidate mm. so basically the the like the bad brother of a rising local politician and he gave a performance that was just so scary and was such a contrast to how gentle he is in get out for example and this film it puts him in such an interesting place where he's more physically he's more physically capable and intimidating i suppose to a certain extent than he is in get out but he has the same sort of sensitivity that he has in get out where all he really wants is to carry on his father's legacy and hang out with his sister and the world kind of just won't let him and he's just ah oh, he's just such, he's such range as an actor god i love him i love what a gift i love that he's kind of he's in the same like bobby d scorsese thing between him yeah. and jordan peele i love that i can rely on the fact that we're probably going to get Yep. four to five more of these combat of this collaborations over the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to be fucking great. Probably. At, totally. And I was, it's funny if you say that specifically, because I was just talking to my coworker, rich, who I didn't realize is a movie guru. That was interesting to chat with him a little bit about casino and Goodfellas, And it was reminding me of how fun it is to see a performer play a very different character in a film by the same director because what happens is in your brain after the fact sometimes you can kind of merge the characters but when you go back and revisit them it reminds you how different they are right and i think that's what's fun about that sort of pairing and it's leo and martin scorsese Mm -hmm. now are kind of a similar way where you watch it and in your brain you're like oh yeah you know him in the departed Versus him in The Aviator versus him in Shutter Island. Like, oh, they're... And you're like, no. Actually, those characters are all really different, and that's fun. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to more of that. And I'm looking forward to rewatching Nope soon. I'm ready. I've been trying to tell Caroline, like, prepare yourself. It's time. Because she loved Get Out unapologetically. She really really liked us but was perhaps a touch too scared of it i mean that movie was terrifying like truly terrifying and we're trying to find the right time when she's exactly happy enough but exactly sort of willing to be creeped out enough to watch nope we just haven't found the the moment looking forward to that for her me too let's quickly go through it doesn't have to be like any just pick like two or three movies that we didn't yeah. talk about that you want to plug well my computer is restarting in 14 minutes and 53 seconds right, so that's our time it. frame go uh for sure we somehow didn't talk about spider-man uh yeah somehow which is really weird because i love spider-man but it, I it think... was nominated for best effects or something oh was it i thought i looked it up and it wasn't if it wasn't then we fucked up because it I think it wasn't. Jesus Christ. Well, let's just pretend it wasn't. I think I yeah. think it wasn't because I was I was kind of googling into it. If it wasn't, I think I would be inclined to give Jacob Badalone the best supporting actor. <laughs> he was really. I thought he was his performance was more affecting in this one than I expected, and I think he's really grown as a performer. This movie was 
outstanding. I fucking love the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. What a joy. Amazing. Yeah. I love them so much. I would just like to go out of my way to remind the world of how terrible Way of Water was. <laughs> I still don't yeah, see it. Just a reminder. God, that movie sucks. <laughs> I would watch The Secrets of Dumbledore 15 times before I watched Way of Water again. Wow. Yeah. God, I hated that movie. It's, it's up there with Hancock and The Last Skywalker or whatever the hell it's called. Well, don't worry. They're not going to make any more. <laughs> well played. I want to talk about... <laughs> Did you see Bros with... um? What's his name? Um, yeah. Um, Billy Eichner. Yeah. Amazingly, no. I was so excited for that movie. Like, psyched. Ready to go to see it in theaters. And then just didn't see it. It lives up to the hype because it's... You, like, the the worry is that it's going to sacrifice being funny to be... Like, to, like, make a point. Or... Yeah. Or the, the, con- the converse is that it, it can be really, really funny and just kind of not make a point. You don't really want either. Yeah. And it does mm-hmm. both. So you don't have to worry about that. Careful about watching it on an airplane because there is actually quite a lot of sex, um, <laughs> which I did. But uh, amazing. So there's that. I I like Christmas movies, but I am a little frustrated generally with like how little they take swings. And uh, we watched one this year that I thought took a big swing and connected, called Spirited. This is the one with Will Ferrell and ryan reynolds oh i heard that was good i somehow didn't see it it's a it's a musical about it's like a it's a it's a take on the christmas carol wherein the like the guy who's being the asshole who's trying to be the screw the basically the scrooge character kind of flips the script and investigates like the ghost of christmas presence or maybe it's past like it's just like this fun kind of like inverted kind of story with some good music and fun dance numbers and stuff like that so when it's christmas time again i'd recommend the going back for that one love it and one of my very favorite movies of the entire year that got nominated for best animated and so other if it had been nominated for no oscars i would have put this very very high on our list uh was marcel the shell with shoes on i did amazingly didn't see that it's mike it's so good it's a why how i believe it you, i know it is but it's just, just like it's just, crazy you just have to see it there's like this incredible charm of this like not just the character of marcel but the world that he kind of like occupies and the person who's making the documentary and the score is incredible one of my very favorite like soundtrack artists did the score for it and it's just so incredibly cleverly written it's hilarious i like I cannot stress enough. If you take nothing else from this episode, you should, you have to watch Marcel the show. Definitely watch it with Caroline. Okay. Caroline will lose her mind. It's it's so good. Yeah. All right. Sold. Did I cut you off earlier? Do you have any more? No. All right. Let's call it then. I'm going to recap real fast. Let's do it. Okay. Let's alternate. I'll say mine and you say yours. Number 10 was uh, Studio 666, the Foo Fighters horror comedy. <laughs> Which is just quite a sentence to say. Uh, number nine was uh, Best Adapted Screenplay for the film Death on the Nile. Yep. Number eight, I gave Best Visual Effects for that horrifying sequence in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 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 Uh, I awarded Best Leading Actress to uh, Julia Roberts for her performance in Ticket to Paradise. Mm-hmm. 
I gave best production design to 3,000 Years of Longing. Nice. I awarded at number five best supporting actress to Anya Taylor-Joy for her performance as What's-Her-Name in The Northman. Number four, <laughs> I gave best supporting actor to Mark Wahlberg as, as Victor Goddamn Sullivan. Goddamn Sullivan. <laughs> in Uncharted. Amazing. Uh, he definitely has an uncle named Victor Sullivan in real life. Yeah, no question. Like, for sure. Um, for number three, I awarded Best Director to Maria Schrader for her work on the film She Said. Yep. I put The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent at number two and awarded its writer Best Original Screenplay. And at number one... We both awarded this film the ultimate top score for Best Picture, but also cheated and awarded Daniel Kaluuya the top score for Best Actor. Number one, the best not nominated film of the year, and arguably one of the be very best films of the year overall, yep. was Jordan Peele's Nope. Nope. Great work, buddy. Let's, yeah. This is the new way Lovely. to do it, for sure. This is much yeah. better. Yeah, this was fun. I like this a lot. I felt very engaged, yeah. and I think you did too. I really like yeah, this. Yeah, this is perfect. Good idea. Yeah. yeah, nice work, team. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Caroline, you didn't do jack shit, but thanks to the cat. She looks very very happy over there. Say, thanks, cat. Great. And thanks, Pierce, for the dinosaur. Yeah, thank you, Pierce. And right, thank thanks. you for bearing with us as we get this podcast to you in practically May. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, everybody wants Oscar content whenever. That's true. So screw all of you. Take what you can yeah, get. Fuck off. Yeah, get out of here with that. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> all, right. all right, fuck off, buddy. Peace. <laughs>